is to inform my fleet commanders to... What's that? Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of FW Presents, the anthology show of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts for this episode, the Irredeemable Shag, and along with me this time is my co-host, the first-time, only, one-time, first kind of special-ish, Rob Kelly. How you doing, buddy? I couldn't even follow that, but it's fine. <laughs> we are here to talk about one of your most beloved things, Rob. First issue special. This is so exciting. Yeah, it's been a little while since we've done a look at an issue, and in this case, two issues of first issue special, a beloved DC series that we've been sort of covering off and on on the network for the last couple of years. And so uh, I've been I've been thinking we should we we need to like catch up with this uh, this great book, especially since it's supposedly going to be coming out in a trade soon, a first issue special trade. And uh, so I thought it would be fun to talk about two different issues of, of this series. Well, some of them have turned up even on the DC Universe app. That's so if right. you're a DC Universe subscriber, go out there and check that out. Yeah, I, I love this series. And we previously talked about Metamorpho. Shag, you and I did that one. Who, Lady, who did we talk about? Metam- Metamorpho. 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 Uh, we did Lady Cop. My, my beloved lady cop, uh, Dr. Ange and I did The Creeper. Uh, you did Dr. Fate. Who did you do Dr. Fate with? Who was that with? It was me and Kyle Benning. Kyle it Benning. wasn't even really a first issue special special. No. It was we just wanted to talk about Dr. Fate, and so we did. In fact, folks, Rob and I are going to be talking about that same issue in the near future on Digest Cast. That's right. That's right. Uh, Max and I did The Outsiders. I did Codename Assassin. Uh, is it an outsider, or is it is it? I can't remember. Is it no, Laura? it's the Outsiders. Oh, yeah, okay. It's the okay. other team called the Outsiders. Uh, Michael Bailey and I did Codename Assassin, and then Chris Franklin and I did Starman. So we're working our way through the entire first issue special series. So yeah, I, I've I've just been so, I just love this series so much. It's so weird and just bizarre. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and so and previously we had done these as episodes of Fire and Water, but now that we have FW presents, it makes more sense to do it as part of this series. And in case you want to go back and listen to the other episodes, just look in the show notes for this, and we will have links to all our previous first issue special coverage. Good luck finding those and putting those in the notes. I'm not taking that job. <laughs> I did it. It's done already. I did. Oh my gosh! Wow. All right. Well, fantastic. Well, do you want to tell the folks at home uh, before we get rolling here what issues we're covering today? Yes, uh, as I mentioned, we're going to be doing two different issues, and I'm going to be doing with this with two different guests. First up, after the break, uh, Max Romero and I will be talking about first issue special number six, Dingbats of Danger Street. By <laughs> <laughs> that was a bridge too far for me, folks. By, Sorry. by Jack Kirby, and then. Uh, uh, Shag and I will be back, and we're going to be talking about the final issue of the first issue special, which is Return of the New Gods. Yay! All both, right. both, of course, related to Jack Kirby. Yeah, good point, good point. Mm-hmm. Well, before we do that, we should probably take a second to thank our sponsors. Folks, this episode of FW's Presents easy for you to say, is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. So what did you bring this time, buddy? Well, of course, I wanted to do something related to Jack Kirby, uh, so I picked the biggest book I could find, which is (laughs) DC, DC Universe Bronze Age Omnibus by Jack Kirby. Let's just jump right to the, uh, the, the, the main thing I want to discuss is that this thing is 1,472 pages. God. 
<laughs> it, it reprints it reprints some really obscure Kirby stuff in the days of the Mob number one, Spirit World number one, those black and white magazines that he did for DC, the Demon one through sixteen, Sandman one through six, Omac one through eight, Our Fighting Forces one fifty one through one sixty two, Superpowers both series, the eighty four and eighty five series. First issue special 1, 5, and 6, which includes Thingbats of Danger Street. Mm. DC Comics presents 84, Richard Dragon Kung Fu Fighter number 3, Weird Mystery Tales 1 through 3, and Forbidden Tales of Dark Mansion number 6. Normal price $150. In stock trades price $87. That is 42% off. I I just I kind of want to see this for how big this book is. Like, can right. you even can you even lift it? I don't know. Uh, Not without assistance. Yeah, I mean, you need like a forklift to get this thing. It features a beautiful cover, of course, by Jack Kirby, and it features all these little insets, all the various features. You talk about Atlas Spirit World. This is just, oh my God, more Jack Kirby than you can shake a stick at. So you got to give it a shot if you're a Jack Kirby fan. So the Jack Kirby Bronze Age Omnibus hardcover. Oh my gosh. Well, I picked uh, a Jack Kirby adjacent thing on purpose because Return of the New Gods is not done by Jack Kirby, as you'll find out in a little bit. So I picked Orion by Walt Simonson, tree paperback, book one. So similar kind of concept. It's a Jack Kirby character by a different artist and creator. So in this case, Walt Simonson, who is an amazing artist and writer, you already know that, tackles Orion from the fourth world. This collects Orion 1 through 11, Showcase 94, number one. Actually, you know, it collects a bunch of stuff. I'm not going to do what Rob did and rattle off a bunch of stuff. It collects a bunch. And it's 325 pages. So it would take three or four of these to make up the size of Rob's recommendation. But... This one normally retails for twenty nine ninety nine. You can get it forty two percent off, so it's only seventeen dollars and thirty nine cents. And again, Walt Simonson, I could have just stopped right there, and you would have been willing to buy this. But check it out; it's on Instock Trades right now. For these and all your collected needs, please visit InstockTrades.com. Now, we also need to thank you folks at home. Thank you so much to our Patreon supporters. Because, you know, running the Fire and Water Podcast Network with so many shows requires a lot of online hosting. And a lot of fees are involved. And, you know, we paid it for the first few years. Then the fees really got out of control. And that's where you guys stepped in. And we sincerely appreciate your support via Patreon. And if you go out to our website, which is what? What is that, Rob? Yeah. Patreon.com slash podcast. Perfect. You can read all about the ways you can help support the show. As little as $1 would be appreciated. And there's all kinds of kind of different tiers where you can support us. And at certain tiers, you get recognized on shows of your choice. In this case, our thanks to Gord Tolden and David Gutierrez. So, again, folks, please go to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash podcast. Now, Rob, uh, I think I'm going to go sit in the green room and chill for a bit. And you and Max are going to take it from here? Yes, we're going to play uh, some podcast promos. And when we come back, Max Romero will be joining me down on uh, Danger Street to talk about first issue special <laughs> number six, The Dingbats of Danger Street by Jack Kirby and Mike Royer. Stay tuned. Greetings, podcast listener. My name is Charlie Neymar, and I host a show called Charlie's Geekcast, all about me and what I like. But mostly about what I like. 2020 marks a pretty special year for me. For one thing, I'll be turning 40 this year. But this year also marks 10 years since I started podcasting by talking about Superman's adventures in the Bronze Age. Coincidentally, this year also marks 50 years since Superman entered the Bronze Age. To celebrate all of this... This year I'll be doing a series of episodes called Geeking on Superman in the Bronze Age, where I'll be looking at some great Bronze Age Superman adventures that I didn't get around to the first time around. It's a lot of around. 
So check out Charlie's GeekCast, part of the Two True Freaks internet radio network at twotruefreaks.com. Also, you can find the show at charliesgeekcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back, and as promised, the first of two first issue special reviews uh, for this episode. I'm joined by Max Romero. Hi, Max. Hello. We are here to talk about first issue special number six, Dingbats of Danger Street, <laughs> by Jack Kirby and Mike Royer. This issue was on sale June 24th, 1975. Uh, Max, did you happen to have this comic as a kid, or do you coming to where did where did you and Dingbats finally cross over? You know, I want to say that I might have seen the Dingbats uh, in a, somewhere in my youth, but I really think I'm probably confusing them <laughs> with with uh, uh, the Newsboy. The oh, the Newsboy Boys? Legion, right? The Newsboy Legion, um, and so I think the first, I think this first issue special is actually uh, my introduction to them, and I found this in a in a used bookstore maybe five or six years ago. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, I mean, uh, we've already talked about in, in the previous first issue special episodes uh, that you know these concepts that uh, DC was throwing into the first issue special, obviously aimed at. Uh, I mean, certainly very uncommercial. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure who what the audience was for Dingbats of Danger Street, but I think that it was Jack Kirby. They were just kind of letting Jack Kirby do what Jack Kirby wanted to do because, of course, he's Jack Kirby. So why not? Uh, But, I mean, aside from Warlord, most of the other concepts in First Issue Special just died a morning. You know, they just went for the one issue and that was it. Of course, we covered uh, The Outsiders. We talked Mm -hmm. about that First Issue Special, and that's another completely bizarre concept that you just can't imagine DC thought was going to sell. From Joe Simon of uh, all. Joe Simon, right. Jack Kirby's partner, Joe Simon. So Dingbats is probably not quite as strange as that, but it, but it's up there. So let's let's talk about what this uh, story is. Uh, we are introduced to the titular Dingbats on page one, the smiling good looks, the diminutive non-fat, the hulking redhead crunch, and the manic bespectacled bananas, who tells the readers, don't split, just watch. An armed costume man comes barreling over the fence where the dingbats made their intros, followed by another man who was firing a gun at him. The costume man gets caught in Crunch's exercise ban and crashes to the street, where the other man, a plainclothes policeman, arrests him for a mugging. The cop thanks the dingbats for their inadvertent help in stopping the crook. Suddenly, non-fat starts to choke after taking a bite of his hot dog. After a blow from Crunch helps him spit it back up, the dingbats discover a small film strip that the crook jammed into the hot dog. Before they know it, another strange-looking bad guy has shown up, shoving a gun in their face and demanding the cylinder. He calls himself the Gasser. The dingbats try and fight him off, but when Goodlooks fires his own gun at him, Gasser takes off in a camper with non-fat riding on top. Non-fat plans to fire the gasser's own knockout gas gun at him, but unbeknownst to him, the gasser is aware of the stowaway. Back at police headquarters, the cops question the first crook named Jumping Jack. They want to know where the film strip is since it's evidence of the kidnapping of a top industrial executive. The dingbats burst in, film strip at hand. During the confusion, Jumping Jack makes a break for it, smashing out a window and taking off. Jumpin' Jack meets up with Gasser, who has put non-fat in the camper along with the executive. The cops have followed them and open fire. The cop punches Gasser out, and Jumping Jack is arrested. The dingbats find non-fat in the van, frozen stiff. The camper was filled with a freeze gas, which wears off in a few minutes. The lieutenant thanks the dingbats for their help and tells them if they ever need help, they can call him. Non-fat tells the cop they don't like adults, so they won't be calling, punctuating his blow-off with a kick to the lieutenant's shin. All right. <laughs> Dingbats of Danger Street. 
What were your what the hell was this, Max? Can you explain it to me? Okay, well, you know, I think this is Jack Kirby doing comedy. And you know, this is this is obviously played for, you know, it's it's lighthearted. Um it's it's full of jokes. Uh it it has Jack Kirby's signature team of young people. And you know, I I think he was just trying to do kind of a street level again, a, a a version of the Newsboy Legion that was not tied to anything. You know, it was not it wasn't tied to Superman. It wasn't tied to um, to the Guardian. It wasn't tied to anything. Just you know, Danger Street. And I'm, I don't even know where where is this supposed to be. I'm not I'm not even really I'm sure. I'm assuming it's supposed to be New York. I guess mm-hmm. I don't I don't exactly. I mean, they they have a little bit of that these dems those kind of mm-hmm. uh, speech pattern, but. I, it, it's hard to say with Jack Kirby. It's, it's it's like Bob Dylan songs. You don't know where exactly they take place. It just seems like some alternate world filled with all sorts of. Because I mean, it's like it's sort of like yeah. the forties. Because these kids are kind of like in the nineteen forties. But then the Gasser and Jumping Jack are like right out of like New Gods kind of in terms mm-hmm. of their tech and how they look. So it's like it really is just like this mix of all sorts of different things. Right, and and the way they talk and especially Crunch looks very much like a young hippie. Right, and, he's got long so, hair, right. Yeah, yeah. And so I kind of get that sense out of it too. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to go on record here as being, you know, I know a lot of people say, oh, they they came to Jack Kirby's art and his style, uh, his writing style later as, you know, as he got old. For me, Kirby worked right away. And I think if I had read this when I was, you know, younger, when, when I if I had read this when it came out, I probably would have really liked it. <laughs> I mean, you could probably figure that Kirby's influence was a lot of the films he saw. I mean, you already mentioned the Newsboy Legion. There was the Boy Commandos, mm-hmm. which was a little similar. But also just, of course, from films like The Little Rascals and The Bowery Boys and The Dead mm-hmm. End Kids, which are the same thing. But, I mean, it has that same kind of thing where it's like a group of ragtag kids. They're kind of street kids. We never hear anything about the Dingbats having parents right, right. or any sort of authority figure. I mean, they mentioned that they hate adults, and they seem to – we don't exactly know where they live. Uh, do they live on the street? They look. They don't look like they're homeless kids. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, because Good Looks has like these books, and he's kind of dressed a little bit nicer than some of the other guys. And and it's funny because like Crunch with his green pants and his kind of like mod belt, he looks mm-hmm. like one of the Forever People. He does. You know what I mean? Totally so it's does. like he yeah. totally would have fit in there. And then you've got Nonfat who has this weird hat. He kind of looks like. Uh, from the, the the Fat Albert kids, he looks like mm-hmm. what Mushmouth, you know, with the, the hat. <laughs> birdie, birdie, they call me Namba Baba, you know. I mean, it's, so it's like, and and I, I not to, I, okay, bananas. Like when I first yeah. saw him with the eye squints and the buck teeth, I was like, is that supposed to be kind of like an Asian mm-hmm. thing? But then on the one hand, it's like I know Jack Kirby didn't. That that was not Jack Kirby's speed, right? And so I don't think it was. And then at no point is is he colored typically asian color skin i mean he's always right. he's always colored uh you know caucasian so i'm like oh, okay but when right. i first saw the face i was like ooh, you know like yeah. uh, that might be but uh, you know it could be that it's everything of course in a jack kirby comic is exaggerated beyond belief yeah you know and i i had the same concern because i mean right there on the on the first page when they're when the characters are being introduced i really thought oof that is that looks like a caricature yeah but at the but like you said, you know, he is not uh, done in what would have typically been the the Asian, uh, you know, caricature of the time. You know, the 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 deep yellow ink and you know all that sort of stuff. Um, and it's kind of the same thing with non-fat. At, at some, I, and for a while, I was 
I couldn't figure out if non-fat is supposed to be black or not. Hmm. Um, because sometimes his features uh, carry that across, but at the same time, there there are black characters elsewhere in the story. There's there's a a police officer who's mm-hmm. black, and he looks like you know the typical Kirby black character. And like you said, Kirby was not one to deal in stereotypes like that. And so, but at the, but then at the same time, later, um, non-fat, non-fat, low-fat, non-fat. Non-fat. <laughs> Non-fat is... Low-fat uh, is his brother. <laughs> Low-fat is his brother. Uh, uh, he's offended because um, he thinks he thinks Bananos calls him boy. That's right. That's right. And so I was never... I'm, I'm still not exactly sure, to be honest. But I, I, like you said, I tend not to think so because that's not something that... Um, that's not something that Kirby ever trucked in, for one thing. And it's also not something that he would try to hide. Yeah. You know, if a character, if one of his characters is is black or Asian or whatever, he is very clear about that. Yeah, you that's know, true. And, and, and in, 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 a, in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's as is typical for Jack Kirby, especially Kirby of the seventies. This thing flies at oh, yeah. a million miles an hour. I mean, we get that intro page of them, or he's they're introducing each other, and then boom, we get a full page shot, and it says, "This is how fast things happen on Danger Street." And these are the flashy movers of crime and punishment, both intensely uh, sincere about their individual talent to pursue and escape. Like all foolish mortals of inner city, they reckon that its most important resident, fate. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute, what? (laughs) You know, I mean, just flying at you so fast. And I'm kind of amazed that some of the major action beats take place off panel. Um, Mm -hmm. We find out about that, like, Gasser has this camper. Uh, We find about that off panel. Because all of yeah. a sudden, after after a good looks fires the gun, which scares Gasser away, uh, all of a sudden we see he goes, "Where's Gasser? I think I killed him. Looking for I look for his body." And then uh, Banana says, "His body's doing all right, about eighty miles an hour." I saw him take off in a camper truck, and I'm like, "Wait, how did what just happened? He was there a set, yeah. one panel ago." So it's this is Kirby probably trying to cram thirty, forty pages of script in a mm-hmm. seventeen page. Story. I mean, the thing is just <laughs> rocket paced, and there's never any explanation as to why Jumpin' Jack or Gasser are even in costume. Like, why are they wearing no. costumes? They don't need to be. These are just kind of crooks. But then at the same time, like the guys, the uh, the the PD, the, it just says PD. It doesn't list the city. Yeah. They're kind of dressed like shock troops a little. They look, you yeah. know what I mean? Like they don't look like typical cops. And then and then the big battle scene. Where Gasser fires his gun, I mean, God, it's got all the Kirby crackle coming out, and at one point he sets the cop's wrist on fire. So it's like yeah. it really is this crazy mix of all sorts of stuff that that I guess Jack just had swimming in his head. It's really you just it's hard to in in today's glacially paced comic books, it's it's hard to reckon with that this was the standard. Well, maybe not the standard, but that this was what they expected kids could. Mm-hmm. Keep up with for thirty cents yeah. in nineteen seventy six. Oh no, you you get a lot of story out of this issue. <laughs> you know, with, like with any Kirby story, there is a lot going on in this in this uh, in this comic, and it's you know he he as you said you know Kirby throws so many things in there and he alludes to so many things. I think that's what I find appealing about <laughs> about being mm-hmm. bad with I kind of want to know. More about what's going on here. Like you said, are they homeless? Do they do they take care of them of themselves and each other, or and what's the deal with their cop? The cops, because there's uh, Lieutenant Mullins, who seems to be okay with the kids, even though the kids don't like adults, and 
you know, there's, yeah, there's a lot going on. And I like that Kirby seems to be having fun with this. You know, it's, it's not his usual cosmic thing because the, the bad guys are wearing costumes. And I think one of them even alludes to, you know, they're saying, oh, I wear a costume, even though, I, you know, I don't remember what he says exactly. But he, it's, it's yeah. along the lines of like, oh, yeah, we, you know, we wear costumes because we're bad guys with gimmicks. And they, um, but they're for Kirby, they're kind of low key. I mean, the gasser still has the, the whole, you know, uh, tubes running back and forth in the square mouth. There's a giant splash page close up of him, which is really pretty cool. He looks kind of insectoid yeah. in some ways. Yeah, 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 exactly. But it's still, it's still pretty, um, you know, it's, uh, it's toned down for a Kirby <laughs> design. Yeah, there you go. And, and, um, and, um, jumping Jack is just essentially a red costume. That covers his whole body except for his eyes and his mouth. And you can see his mustache. His great 70s mustache. <laughs> and, I, and I find all that kind of charming. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it really is it. It's, it's these Kirby concepts in the 70s. He was really at his weirdest in the 70s when you think about mm-hmm. that, what he was doing. Like Demon and Commandy and Omac. And then you get these sort of one-off things. And uh, it... it it, I enjoyed it. I actually did enjoy it. I did think it was a little weird that in the the final uh, chapter, good lord, this thing has three seventeen page story has three chapters, but in <laughs> in the third chapter that the that the the dingbats really don't enter into the fray. It's mostly mm-hmm. the cop Terry Mullins that stops him. And there's even one page where he punches Gasser, and it has that classic. Yeah. Like Kirby nuclear force when he's hitting the guy. This should put out your gas jet. And bam! And like the guy, you know, the Terry Mullins, as far as we understand, is just a regular guy. He's just a mm-hmm. cop. But I mean, good lord, he he hits these villains like he's Captain America for Pete's <laughs> sakes. And he's built like a Mack truck because I mean, it's Kirby with all that thickness and stuff. And even when non fat kicks him in the final panel, like he yeah. kicks the guy right in the shin and Terry doesn't even move. Like it doesn't even hurt at all. In fact, non fat hops away like, it, like he broke his foot or something. Right, uh, right, and I wonder, like, is there some other reveal that we're going to find? Are we going to find that Terry Mullins is something else going on? But did, yeah. it, did it not remind you of the setup of the Outsiders? Is that you have all these weird characters, and then you have kind of the, the straight normal guy come mm-hmm. in as like maybe their ostensible leader at the end of the story? Yeah, yeah, totally. And it, and again, you know, it reminds me of the Newsboy Legion of you know the the kids with with uh, the one adult, the Guardian, mm-hmm. and you know, but yeah, it's. Uh, you know, like you said, the, this this was a really fertile. I mean, I don't know if there was ever a time that was not fertile for for, <laughs> for Jack Kirby, but you know, the, and he seemed to be very interested in what young people could do as a group, mm. and uh, that you know, really almost more than because in the other in his other comics, the, the kids always kind of seem almost like a fan club or hangers on, and these kids are taking care of themselves. And the only reason they even got mixed up in it is by accident. They're right, in a really, right. in a yeah, in a real sense, they're just trying to take care of their own turf. You know, they're trying to take care of their own home. And you know, I I think that's a you know, I think that's a that's a really interesting concept for for someone to put into a comic. You know, that these are the these are the heroes of that comic. Yeah, I mean, it's funny their 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 turf you mentioned in that big splash page, and we'll have some of the images from the site over on the website firewaterpodcast.com. Their their burg that they live in, their burrow, it almost looks like the Great Disaster in Commanding. The, mm-hmm. the buildings are all askew from one another. The, the the sky is this dark kind of purple. I mean, it just looks like wreckage. And I mean, you know, Kirby grew up during the Depression. You know, I mean, maybe this is what he thinks about. This is what he saw from his from his days as a kid, where 
things are – I mean, like, even though the inks by Mike Royer, which is – Mike Royer is, by, way, by, the, by the way, my favorite Kirby inker. Um, yeah. He puts such a, a gloss on Kirby's work. Everything's there is still lots of damage and there's lots of dirt on the ground. We see manhole covers and like cracked sidewalks. So there's there's all that detail that these kids don't obviously live in a very nice neighborhood. This is not the ritzy part of Manhattan. This is probably the Bronx, circa right, you know like right. 1970 or something like that. And again, we don't even really know what year this takes place in. No. I mean, the, the, the no. sci-fi stuff seems to suggest that it's, I guess, modern day, but we don't even have that stuff now. So mm-hmm. it, that stuff's out of time. So, I mean, is it the 40s? I don't know. We, we see with the, the camper that Gasser has looks kind of modern, but so does Gasser. So who the hell knows? Right. Yeah. And, and Mullins, Mullins looks like he walked out of the 50s. Yeah. You know, yeah. he looks like a 50s cop, but the kids look kind of kind of hippie. And, yeah, it, it's, you know, it, it's Kirby. Yeah. It's Kirby all over. But, you know, the thing is, is like all these – a lot of these other first issue specials, which is, you know, a great series of, of comics, of one-shots um, – you know, uh, Starman, of course, has has made cameos and been a, char- a used character used in in uh, in DC a lot. Uh, Codename Assassin was part of a of a Superman story not too long ago. The Creeper, uh, you know, the Green Team, I think, even had a had a short lived series for for That's a while. That's right, they did. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would love to see a cameo by the Ningbats. I, I would le- I would like to see them put back into the DC universe in some way. Why? I mean, Lady Cop appeared on Green Arrow for Pete's yeah. sake. So why not? Yeah, I mean, as I said, there's all these concepts lying around, and it's a lot of these characters have. I mean, there's Doctor Fate and the Creeper and Metamorpho. Those were obviously established characters, kind of getting a new attempted new launch. But but yeah, the, I mean, just the sheer weirdness of these ideas. The the blue skin star man, as you mentioned, Conan Assassin. The outside the outsiders have made a cameo. The outsiders, uh, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. these things have always lived on. I mean, they sit in a vault somewhere for some writer, James Robinson or Grant Morrison, to dig up. But as, yeah, as far as I know, the dingbats have never appeared anywhere else. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. would you have wanted – Would you, if you knew that there were more dingbat stories, would you be interested in reading them? I guess that's the ultimate test of a first-issue special. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And, and the thing is, is I – you know, I'm, if, if, it isn't, if it hasn't been obvious, I'm a Jack Kirby fan. But that doesn't mean – you know, like I've picked up other first issues of Jack Kirby's, especially his later work, and kind of came away from it cold. You know, I didn't. It, I, it wasn't something that I wanted to pursue after that. But yeah, if if there had been other dingbats, or if they were doing something with the dingbats now, I would totally be into it. Yeah, I would. I would really want to see you know, where it was going, and I would hope that they would keep, you know, the spirit of it intact. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, especially. Yeah. Why not? I mean, why not? set it back in this sort of mysterious, you know, weird time where we just don't know where things are. But yeah, it's uh, it, 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 like, it's a lot of, like a lot of stuff with Jack Kirby. It's like you, it, you're living in the Jack Kirby world where mm-hmm. things make sense. Cause it's Jack Kirby doing it. And, <laughs> and right. maybe, I mean, maybe somebody else could have done dig bats of Dame street, but I don't know. I mean, does, do people have this kind of upbringing anymore? I don't, I don't know exactly where it's this kind of, you know, Hide out, you know, uh, street gang kind of thing, and they're kind of like good kids, and they run into, they run in, into, you know, they run around with police officers in some way. Mm-hmm. It's 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 also very strange, and I I can only guess again that the DC was willing to just sort of give Jack Kirby, you know, a a, a platform to say, all right, Jack, you're Jack Kirby, what do you got, you know? And they probably looked right. at this and said, oh, we're not going to sell any of this, but okay, you know, for one issue. <laughs> Let's give it a shot. And they tried, and it you know, obviously didn't take off, and the Dingbats made their one and only appearance. And obviously Jack had 
more on in mind because at the very end it says, would you like to learn how the dingbats were formed? We have their tragic stories. Write and tell us if you want to see them. The address is dingbats at National Periodical Publications. I'm sure DC has gotten a lot of letters addressed to dingbats over the years. <laughs> 75 Rockefeller Plaza, New York, New York. So, I mean, I love that, like, you know, they were like, as is typical with Jack Kirby, he probably had 400 dingbat stories ready yeah. in his head, you know? Yeah, so, probably. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, and yeah, I mean, it, like I, like you said, you know, I think Jack Kirby was just this idea factory. And yeah. because oh, of, yeah. of, of the 13 uh, first issue specials, three of them were his. Yeah. Yep. You know, it was it was Atlas, Manhunter, and, and Dingbats. Yep. And you know, it's I I don't think you ever just throw away a, a Kirby concept. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Oh sure. That would that would be like hearing, hey, there's some Picasso paintings we haven't seen. I'm like, whoa, yeah, I gotta check those out. I mean, for God's sakes. I mean, this guy was a the, probably the greatest guy ever to do it. You yeah, know, and so yeah. he's giving you ideas you want to take off with them. So yeah, I mean, I I will admit. Um, to give a little bit of backstory to this, uh, back when, of course, we've been doing these first issue special profiles for a while now. We've been doing, we've covered Lady Cop and Metamorpho and Dr. Fate and Codename Assassin. Max and I did Outsiders. And I, a couple of years ago, I went and earmarked every first issue special for somebody. Uh, and there's some we haven't gotten to yet. And I will say that this book was asked uh, specifically uh, from me by uh, Zoom Yukonori. Zoom really wanted to cover this. And I was like, really, Zoom? He's like, yeah, I really want to do Ding, ding Pets of Danger Street. <laughs> and so I said, okay. And unfortunately, we never got around to it, and, and now we won't have that chance. Um, and I obviously would have loved to have heard Zoom's take on oh, Ding Pets oh, of yeah. Danger Street. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine what that might have been like? Um, oh, my God. But, uh, but, but I'm glad that we finally got around to, to covering it because I love these first issue specials. Mm-hmm. I think this is a fun DC series. It's got – it's boundless enthusiasm with these concepts and so it's been too long uh since we got to some of them and so now that i'm glad that we're going we're knocking off two more in this episode uh like i said we're in, in a moment we're going to be me and shag are going to be covering the return of the new god so i'm so glad that we finally got around to dingbats of danger street and i will say i enjoyed this a lot more than i thought i would just from the title <laughs> i was kind of like oh boy this one's going to be a grind but i actually like writing the synopsis was fun and yeah. it was just these were just it was just a fun goofy concept so uh max thank you so much for for joining me to talk about this no, thank you. These are these are great comics. Absolutely, that's a great way to end it. So yeah, yeah, they are. So again, you can check out the images on our website, fryingwaterpodcast.com. So that's is going to do it for now. We're going to run some podcast promos, and when we come back, Shag and I are going to talk about Return of the New Gods. Stay tuned. You've heard the myths and sagas. You've read the comics. You've seen the films. Now you can experience the adventures of Thor, Hercules, and more in a completely new way. Ere the battle be resolved, let the Thunder God prevail. Thor will crumble under my power, the power of Loki. I am the will and the way. I am all father, and none shall say me nay. Donald Blake, have you forgotten that we have a dinner date tonight? Join me, Tom Harris, almost every Thursday for Radio Free Asgard. Every episode we take a look at a new chapter in the lives of your favorite mythological heroes. From the Iron Age of Europe through the Bronze Age of Comics, the Marvel movies and beyond. All that and silly voices too. Come join us at Radio Free Asgard. <laughs> 
Dude, you missed a golden opportunity. You're sitting here talking back and forth. I'm in the green room laughing my butt off because you guys are talking back and forth about how there's no more dingbats at Danger Street. But there was. They appeared in a couple of issues uh, that Carl Kessel did. And this is pretty interesting. Just last year in that horrible miniseries, I'm sorry if I offended Sesquid, uh, Inferior 5, number one, uh, specifically, which was all about the invasion, uh, there was an awesome cameo. The, it, the shot shows a street sign. It says Danger right. Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so almost well played, but you missed it by that much. My so. apologies. Yeah, that both Max and I forgot to mention that the Dingbats have occasionally returned here and there. We do, they certainly didn't return as any like a solo feature. No, or anything no, like no. that, but but yeah, like like any DC property, they have they never quite go away. They always appear a little bit here and there, and in a cameo or in a background or in a reference. So now, you know they're they're still out there. According to Wikipedia, and it's only as reliable as you know whatever. They said Jack drew two more issues. Yeah, now, they were never scripted, but he drew them. Could you imagine? Oh my gosh, that would that would be fantastic to see. They so. ex- imagine those pages are somewhere, some That's some true. some vault somewhere. There's Jack Kirby artwork we haven't seen yet. Yep. All right, well, let's get into this. We're here to talk about first issue special number 13, Return of the New Gods. Now, I got I, I want to give a little perspective for me on the New Gods because I thought about this. Rob and I talked about this years ago covering this issue. And I thought, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to reread all the original New Gods stories for this triumphant return story, right? And as we got closer and closer, I, I actually opted to do the opposite. I haven't read any New Gods comics in a long time, specifically because I wanted to come at this like a new reader because that's what this first issue special was supposed to be. It's supposed to be an introduction to something and get the reader on the ground floor, and they're off to the races. So that's what I did this time. And I don't know what your history with the New Gods is, but for me, when it's when I was a kid, I didn't really like Jack Kirby stuff. As a lot of people, I didn't really get it. You know, I'd see his entries in Who's Who, and I'd be like, eh. I'd, you know, I'd read the Superpowers issues, and I'd be like, man, I wish it was good art. You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, I only really liked Dark Side because the Super Friends cartoon and subsequent appearances. But then around 2002, 2003, I was running this role-playing group, because I know how much you like role-playing, Rob. And uh, it was set in the DC Universe, and I decided that our characters would go to Apocalypse. I'm like, all right, well, if I'm going to do this, because it was all kind of building towards it anyway, whether I wanted to or not. I'm like, I need to do some research. So I got those black and white trades. They collected like Jack Kirby's Fourth World and Jack Kirby's Mr. Miracle, Miracle and stuff. And they were just black and white with sort of a, a, a color wash in black and white to kind of give you a sense of colors. Dude, it was glorious. I fell in love. I finally got what New Gods was. And it's like lights went off. It was amazing. I, I, I've been a fan ever since. So I don't know if you've ever read those black and white versions, but it really forces you to notice Jack's art even more because uh, the, the bright colors kind of, you know, are gone. And uh, wow, it's just so amazing. So I, I was very excited to come into this and see what uh, Mike Vostog or um, how do Vos- you say his name? Mike Vosberg. Vosberg, that's right. Because you brought him to my attention from Starfire. Uh, you know, I fell in love with him through Starfire. And then Jerry Conway, I'm like, all right, cool. Let's see these boys, what they can bring it. So oh, so what about you? Like, how, what's your background with the, with the New Gods? Yeah, I, I, I had the same thing. I always just was kind of like, what, what is this stuff? It always just seemed weird to me. Uh, certainly Mr. Miracle was my my entry character because he was the most superhero-like of all right. of them. And, uh, you know, there was that crossover where the JLA and JSA went to Apocalypse. So good! Drawn by George Perez. That's actually the, 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 the crossover from Dick Dillon to George Perez. Dick Dillon mm-hmm. unfortunately passed away while in the middle of working on it. But Mr. Miracle, like, I remember seeing Mr. Miracle as drawn by George Perez, and I was like, oh, this guy belongs in the Justice League. Like, he just looks like he fits. 
And so I always liked Mr. Miracle. I remember buying the back issues of the series when it was shown by Marshall Rogers. I actually did buy the Hunger Dogs graphic novel when it came mm. out because it ended wow. it, but I didn't really get it. And Leah, like you, I was kind of like, eh, on Kirby. And then as I got older, I, I began to appreciate the the – Jack Kirby. I don't even need to go into why Jack right, Kirby. Right. Jack Kirby. But I mean, it, it was definitely an acquired taste. But I, I still have never quite cotton to the new gods. I just, just don't totally doesn't totally don't just totally get it exactly. Right. Um, but I certainly like the characters. Like, I mean, my God. I mean, the, the, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> the, they have found a way to incorporate these characters into the DCU. Of course, they have a JLI with Mister Miracle and Big Barda and stuff. And Darkseid, Darkseid, the ultimate DC villain in a lot of ways. So I certainly appreciate it more than I say I enjoy it, I guess. Uh, I have not read it collected. It's one of those things I keep saying I'm going to get around to one day, but I just haven't done it yet. But this issue, The Return of the New Gods, I was I was entirely unfamiliar with. I had not read it until just a couple of months ago when I was kind of excavating all these first issue specials because I didn't really realize that the New Gods had been gone. Mm-hmm. You know, but then I did the research through Mike's Amazing World and saw that yeah, they were after they DC canceled all the New Gods books. These characters were basically gone for a couple of years, other than in some cameo appearances here and there. So it befits the the, the return of because they were making it making kind of a, a meal out of it. Yeah, it's sort of interesting the way it worked was the New Gods ended in um, 1972. Uh, It was when the last issue of that published, issue number 11 specifically. Mr. Miracle kept going for a little while longer in a 74, but then you're right, just gone. New Gods were over, Kirby was out of the picture, and DC didn't see any use for the property. So then this first issue, special number 13, kind of came out of the blue, uh, covered in April 1976, which is four years after the New Gods series ended, two years after Mr. Miracle kind of disappeared. And... Then it, it just sat there. It didn't really go anywhere, this, this special. And then Jeanette Kahn comes in as DC's new publisher, and she decides she wants to revive the fourth world. So she says, all right, bring it all the next year in 77. So a year after this, spe- this first issue special comes out. In 77, she says, bring it all back. And so they relaunched the New Gods and used this as the springboard, even though this had come out a year before. They relaunched the New Gods book. They pick up the same numbering, issue number 12. It even says Return of the New Gods, bold across the cover. And they keep publishing that all the way to um, issue 19. So it goes uh, another seven issues, again, with the Return of the New Gods banner, based on this version of the characters, you know, with Orion in this new costume and stuff like that. They bring back Mr. Miracle. Um, surprisingly, the Forever People didn't get relaunched. Go figure. <laughs> then they uh, then they wrap things up kind of in a couple issues of Adventure Comics. Uh, but, yeah, as what happens, though, is you know they, they, they then appear in Justice League, as you talked about, and Hunger Dogs is sort of the big thing. And what ends up happening is this special, this first issue special, and that subsequent seven-issue series are kind of considered out of continuity, really, because Hunger Dogs sort of contradicts a lot of what happens here. So they just kind of say, eh, those, you know, didn't really happen. Or let's just not talk about it. It's like Mopey. It's like, we just, we just don't talk about it. So <laughs> anyway, well, let's get into it here, folks. So this is First Issue Special, volume number one. Well, I guess, I don't know why they say volume one. There wasn't like there was another volume. Uh, number 13, April 1976, cover art by Dick Giordano. Oh, it's gorgeous. So you've got uh, all, a space background. You've got Return of the New Gods. As you're, it's very confusing. You've got First Issue Special, Return of the New Gods. A lot of titles there. Anyway, Orion is flying at you in this brand new costume. If you've never seen it, it is a superhero costume. I've actually seen some people compare it to Animal Man's costume in some ways with the goggles and the, and the headpiece and everything. It's it's red and yellow. He's got a giant blue O on his chest for Orion, of course. Anyway, he's flying at you, and then you've got Mr. Miracle flying at you. You've got Metron, or Metron, uh, Light Ray, and Big Barda, and it says, they're back! And it's got all their names listed. 
So what do you think of the cover? It's very superhero-y. Obviously, yes. they were trying to maybe get away from the Jack Kirby-ish weirdness of it, and I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. But this is this looks very much like uh, the Justice League image that you saw on the Super Friends, you know, with mm. all of them flying out. I mean, that's what you kind of get Dick Giordano to do. So these, if if you're trying to resell the New Gods as slightly more superhero-y, this is the cover because you could just look at you could just hear you know the New Gods of America. It just has that feeling to it. <laughs> I keep hearing the bump, bump. Yeah, bum, exactly, bum, bum. exactly. <laughs> well, and, and that's why they took Orion out of his previous outfit and put him into a very traditional superhero kind of costume. Uh, and well, you know, we'll save the discussion for that on the back end. But all right, once you get into it, dialogue by Denny O'Neill, uh, plot and editing by Jerry Conway, pencils and inks by Mike Vosberg. So here's a recap. The issue opens right into the action. Our hero, Orion, who again is sporting a completely new costume, smashes into an apocalypse stronghold on Earth, running headlong into his half-brother, Calabac. Three pages into the fight, and Orion's mind just starts to wander, because I guess Calabac is pretty boring at a family reunion. Orion remembers at an earlier homecoming on New Genesis, he was returning from a scouting mission on Apocalypse. Orion reported that Darkseid was once again preparing for war and planning to invade the Earth, thus bringing an end to the long months of peace between New Genesis and Apocalypse. Then, suddenly, a squadron of Darkseid's parademons attack New Genesis. So Orion, Big Barda, and Mr. Miracle, who, by the way, is not in costume, I don't think, at any point in this comic, uh, they held off the parademons long enough for Metron to open a boom tube, which transported the attacking forces back to Apocalypse. Afterwards, Highfather orders Orion to Earth to engage the forces of Apocalypse, which bring us back to the battle with uh, Calabac. Orion then dispatches Calabac, only to find that Granny Goodness is waiting for him in the next room, because of course she is. Granny Goodness blasts Orion into unconsciousness and then has him carried away to Apocalypse. Uh, Metron then, uh, elsewhere, Metron brings Highfather to the source wall, where in blazing letters the prophecy is written, When son slays father, chaos reigns! So Metron then uses some bizarre omniscient ability, which I don't think he's ever shown before or ever afterwards, to spy on Darkseid via Boomtube, revealing that Darkseid has linked his heartbeat to the Earth's sun. If Darkseid were to be killed in battle, Earth's sun will go nova, destroying the entire solar system, which kind of sucks, because that's where Rob and I keep our stuff. <clears throat> then back in Apocalypse, Orion awakes in captivity and battles three of Granny Goodness's goons. Orion defeats them all very quickly, and then heads for Darkseid's palace. En route, he ends up battling Calabac again. Their fierce battle leads him through the streets of Apocalypse and smashing right into Darkseid's quarters. Darkseid blasts Calabac for his failure to stop Orion, as Orion himself gives in to his rage and prepares to kill Darkseid. Highfather and Metron appear at the last moment to stop Orion, preventing Darkseid's destruction and thus the destruction of Earth's solar system. Darkseid has had enough of the new god's trash and sends them away. And in the end, both sides recognize that they're in an uneasy stalemate, but the war will never end. All right. So what do you think of it? Well, I, I, it's hard, obviously, to, to think about this without having the, the, the context of knowing what went on. You know what I mean? Like, we've had 20 to 30 years of New Gods comics since this, and then right. you're, you're judging it from that point of view. I think as a way of kind of putting a, a, a slight ellipsis on the Jack Kirby stuff and starting over, I think this is a perfectly fine way to do that. At the same time, it's like the New Gods to me is so specifically Jack Kirby that it's hard to see anybody else – Doing it and and having the same reaction because it just feels like uh, not again not in any way to insult Jerry Conway who you know we love everyone knows we Absolutely. love Jerry but this feels like a cover band 
You know, it's 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 <laughs> and and you. I mean, and sometimes cover bands are great, but like one of the things I noticed, like with um, Jack Kirby's work, especially in the seventies, is there's so many close-ups. Like Jack's stuff was just in your face, literally. Mm-hmm. And here, Mike Vosberg has way way has pulled the camera way back. Uh, to where I mean, there's a couple of close-ups. The the kill, kill, kill thing is very Jack Kirby, but there's so many. The camera is just set way further back than Jack Kirby ever would have done, and I think that's them trying to make it more superhero-y, kind of. I mean, obviously with the costume, it is. So it just it feels like someone else is doing Jack Kirby stuff, which is of course exactly what it is. But it just feels a little odd. You know, it just yeah. it feels like a Beatles cover band where you're like, well, the, OK, the the in, the inherent material is so good that if it's if the cover is even halfway decent, it's not a bad song, but it's not exact. It's just not the original. And for all of uh, the new gods failings to connect with audiences in 1972, 71, at the same time, I just read this and I go, yeah, it's, it's close, but it's not it's just not. I don't know. It's to me, the new gods is kind of like you're either going to take it or you're going to leave it. And if you're gonna if you're gonna take it, great. If not, this is maybe not the version you're gonna be into anyway. A cover band's a good way to describe it because that's kind of what New Gods have been in all subsequent eras. At least sort of, New, yeah. New Gods specifically. Mr. Miracle, I feel like they've done their own sort of creative take on him. But like the, the New Gods stuff itself, even when Mark Evanier comes in and Paris Collins, it's still a cover band. Now it's a pretty darn good cover band. You know, at that right. point, um, Walt Simonson, John Byrne, again, cover bands, but yeah, amazing again, talent. I mean, the, the, right. just in the, listen to those people you just named. Those are all very talented people. And, and unfortunately, Conway and Vosberg had the unfortunate position to be the first cover band. Yeah, really. Yep. You know, and so I think you're seeing some of the growing pains and trying to figure out what they want to do here. Are they trying to be identical to Kirby? Are they trying to find their own flow? And I think that's kind of where this is. They're, they're figuring it out. They only got the one shot to do it. So it it does come across as a bit of a disappointment. I mean, for me, the dialogue feels really stilted. Um, it feels like I'm reading a Thor comic where it's all the, the people from uh, Asgard talking as really uncomfortably as possible. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel great. Now, but but if you step back from it, though, formulaically, you know, they did a good job. It, it's like a greatest hits or a trip down memory lane here. You know, it, it's really designed as sort of a vehicle for Orion. But you see Highfather, Mr. Miracle, Metron, Parademons, the Source Wall, Granny Goodness, you know, Dr. Bedlam, Darkseid. No, no, forever people. Kind of weird that, huh? Um, <laughs> but it, it really did hit all the right beats that they needed to. So, like you're saying, I, I think some nice things to say about Vosberg. I like his storytelling as far as like, there's never a panel that I don't understand exactly what's happening. Everything is very clear. I understand all the action. Um, the, the flow is nice. I, I, the pacing is decent. You know, sometimes it really ramps up and goes quickly, but I think all that works. Uh, when, when a character lands a punch in this book, I'm, I'm, he's not quite a paro, but when a <laughs> no. character hits a, lands a punch, it's like, ow, that looked like that hurt. So there, there's things to like in here, but it's, yeah, it, it does leave me un, a bit unsatisfied. So what'd you, uh, what'd you think of Orion's new costume? Uh, I, it, it's okay. It's it's a little. It's just a little generic. It kind of looks nope. like a lot of other costumes. I mean, again, Nobody likes it. don't feel bad. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, it's the thing with Kirby. It's the Kirby stuff was just so unique that trying to kind of like do the watered down version of Kirby, you're almost like, well, just don't bother. Just make it be. Just let it be what it is. And and again, as you mentioned with Mister Miracle, there are ways to do other takes on his stuff. Um, mm-hmm. There have been other versions of the demon. 
that I've enjoyed yeah. quite a bit. Oh, the, yeah. the Matt Wagner miniseries is really good. Oh yeah, good point. Yeah, with a, and you know what? Also, uh, Alan Grant and, and Garth Ennis did a bunch of stuff with the Demon as well. So. Right, right. So it's I'm not saying that like Jack Kirby properties obviously because all the Marvel ones, but it's not like just because Jack Kirby did a property you can never touch it. But the new gods just seem so specific. And I will say on a very small detail, it's sort of funny that Mike Vosberg draws Big Barda as slightly shorter than than Mr. Miracle, which just looks oh. wrong. That just looks totally wrong. When you see them together, she's even slightly smaller, which I think in 1970, you know, that was sort of typical. But now it just looks weird. You're like, no, 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 no. Big Bart is like 6'4". That just doesn't – it doesn't look right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I will say uh, a quick compliment. Oh, oh, well, okay, let me finish up. Orion's costume. So for me, he looks too skinny. Like he looks too lean because mm-hmm. Orion to me is like a big beefy guy, and this guy's like a very skinny acrobatic like, kind of uh, body type. So, and, and supposedly in the back, there's this thing called the story behind the story, and it tells you that what, what they were going for here is that this new costume is supposed to represent a melding of his new Genesis and Apocalypse heritage. He no longer wears a mask to hide his Apocalyptian born features even though he's kind of wearing a mask. Anyway, and he no longer rejects New Genesis's uh, simple and peaceful costumes. It's supposed to be uh, an amalgamation. I think they're just trying to make it look like a superhero. But anyway, so Kirby-esque thing. Check out page six, first panel. There is a great shot, a very Kirby shot, close-up of a parademon's face. Oh, that's Uh, very Kirby, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that looks great. So now, the big question is, this is first issue special, Rob. If you were a kid with your, I don't know, was it a quarter? I didn't look at that. 30 cents. Okay, if you're with your 30 cents and you buy this comic, is this enough to make you go, I want to read another New Gods comic right now? Uh, probably not. I, th- I think I'd just be bewildered about as to what all this was because, I mean, all the characters already know each other. And you know what? Orion, even, uh, even later on, Orion has never appealed to me as a character because he's just hmm. such a hothead. He's just – I you will not believe – we'll kill, kill, kill. He just always just seems like – that kind of guy. So I, I never, f- I mean, I understood the, the dynamics of the sun is the, you know, it's, it's the Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker dynamic, of course. Um, they did it first. Obviously, Jekyll, we did it first. Um, but like, I always, I always found Mr. Miracle and Big Barda to be much more compelling characters than Orion. And so the fact that they're kind of off to the side, I mean, of course, they were the leads in their own book. But yeah, no, I don't think this would have done it for me. I think there were of all the first issue special concepts. I've, obviously, this book is rel- this is one of the like Metamorpho or the Creeper. This isn't a new idea. This is a trying to rejuvenate an old idea. Uh, but no, this one probably would not have gotten me to continue on. I put it like, yeah, yeah, all right, give me more Lady Copper, give me more, <laughs> <laughs> or give give me more Dingbats of Danger Street, but maybe not so much New Gods. Yeah, like Doctor Fate is is a. Doctor Fade, certainly. Where they were reintroducing a character, so he had had been around before, and it was just, hey, here's a story with him, and it was a great on the ground floor. I mean, they really did sort of reimagine everything too, and it did make you want to read more. This one, yeah, I'm in the same boat, man. It really fails at that task. Like, there's no recap. You don't really know who the characters are other than them saying each other's names. There's no explanations really given. Um, for the most part, you said the characters all knew each other. That's the thing that struck me is the book kind of assumes that you, the reader, know who they are too, mm-hmm. which I think is a bad assumption at this point You know, in 1976. So I do, I do feel like it fails in that regard. Now, it does make me sort of interested to go read the following Returning New Gods series that went for like seven or eight issues or whatever because, you know, that is by Conway. And Con- I'm, I'm sure Conway found a way to get in the groove and make it work because it's Conway. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. But it does also make me want to go back and reread Jack's stuff. Yeah, on a very minor note, you know what was thrown by the fact that Calabac and his cloven hooves? Like, I don't think we've ever 
scene. Like I mean, like it, like I don't, I can't think of ever seeing him before with just having like those two toed feet because we see him barefoot throughout this whole thing here, and like yeah. his who's who listing, he's in boots. Like I mean, it, you know, every time I saw his, foot, I was like, does he have feet like that? I didn't know that. Uh, it. it- it doesn't strike me as like what is that, but I, you're right. I can't place exactly where I would know it from. Yeah, I mean, um, I just don't. I have to go back and look. Hmm. I mean, because all, all the characters in the New Gods are are humanoid, you know, for the most part, and they don't. So, and there's just so many shots of Calabac getting knocked off his feet, and we see big close-ups of these yeah. cloven hooves, and I'm just like, what is that really? Well, Darkseid's not humanoid, and that's his father, so maybe. Well, I yeah, know. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, do they? Do, do the other characters have that look? I didn't. I didn't know. Uh, but anyway, um, artwork-wise, I did want to mention Mike Vosberg. We talked about it a little bit. Um, I'm not that familiar with him, other than you mentioned like his work on Starfire. There is some moments you mentioned that Paradine where he is clearly aping the sort of Jack Kirby style. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that, obviously. Um, yeah, the, the storytelling is very clear. I like the way he draws Big Barda. I mean, Big Barda is very sexy because she's practically wearing nothing. She's like a little red bikini and that's pretty much mm-hmm. it. Um, I like. I do like his Orion. I do like some of the, the, the close-ups here and there. I like his Metron, too. I just think Metron, he's kind of got the squint, which I kind of <laughs> like, which I enjoy that. Um, so, I mean, and I like the, the page where Metron is telling the story. Perhaps I can clarify the message. With the boom doom, I've located Darkseid. And then you've got these six panels in a black background, which I thought was kind of a fun thing. So I like the artwork a lot. Even though the page makes no sense, but anyway. Well, okay, yeah. No, I just like the, the storytelling of it. I think it's very clean. I like. I guess he inked his own pencils, so yep. I like it. I, 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 it makes me want to go read the Starfire comics, because I actually really like the artwork a lot. Yeah, well, good. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, I, I'm Starfire, you know, that's something I'm dying to talk about. Yes, Speaking well, of we are going to get right. to that. So, in again, in, in, in the letters page, and, and this is moving past New Gods now here, folks. Uh, in, the, in the letters page at the back of it, it's called The Story Behind the Story. At the end of here, again, last issue, first issue special. If you read that, it sort of – it talks about some upcoming books they're going to be publishing. It suggests that both Starfire and the Secret Society of Supervillains were going to be first issue specials. That's what it makes it sound like. You know, both got their own series, but it, it makes it sound like that's actually where they were going to premiere, which, oh my gosh, that would have been crazy. Yeah, I never really took it to that, but you're right. They are saying with this issue, first issue special ends its run. We've enjoyed bringing you a wide and we hope creative assortment of characters in these 13 issues. If we don't plan on stopping here, many of the new characters originally planned for the next few issues of FIS are going directly into Roan magazines. So there you go. Yeah, you're right. So they might have done number 14, 15. I think we know that Batman Family was going to be a first issue special or something. There was some, really? There was some connection to Batman Family and first issue special. I know Sean M. Myers, who like loves Batman Family, is like his all-time favorite comic. I think he'd hmm. be able to explain uh, what, what the connection was there. But yeah, you're right. They would have been – this would have been first issue special Starfire, first issue special Secret Society of Supervillains. And I <gasps> – and I, I think part of the reason is DC was trying to increase their market share because at that point Marvel had been flooding the market with titles. And right. DC was trying to catch up. So instead of doing one-shots all in one series, every, give everybody a new book and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. I did read one more thing, by the way, was that Dingbat's a Danger Street was supposed to go to series. And that's why he had drawn three issues. Hmm. But DC pulled the plug on it, and that's where they said, well, the first issue's done, so they threw it in first issue special. As much as Max and I enjoyed Dingbats, I can't believe for any – I can't believe for a second they thought that was going to go to series. 
really? It's Jack, but it's Jack Kirby, though. I, mean, they, I they know. Say, they, they basically – that's how DC would bring him in. They say, Jack, do whatever you want. We'll publish it. I mean that seems to be how they how that worked. And then Dingbats just kept getting uh, messed around with, and so that's how, where it ended up. I guess – but they had to know that just because Jack Kirby was doing it doesn't mean it was going to be a hit because look at the new gods. You know, They yeah. didn't do the new gods. So that – I mean again, not to in any way to dismiss Dingbats because I said Max and I did enjoy it, but I can't – Imagine what they thought the audience was for this. <laughs> you know, so I mean, first issue special. We still have more to cover. There's still other issues we haven't gotten to Atlas yet. Uh, there's a couple of the other ones that we haven't have a Green Team. <laughs> I look forward Gosh. to getting look forward to getting to. But I mean, I just love this book. It's such a strange just creation of of old and new, and and some of them were some of them were hits like the Doctor Fate and uh, Lady Cop, one of the greatest comics ever produced, uh, and then some some are just bizarre misses. Ding, again, I think Dingbats of Danger Street or the Outsiders, and then you have other ones that are just kind of like middling, like New Gods. But it's, it was all over the place. But I still love the series. I'm glad it's being collected. Uh, and so I was, you know, happy to finally dip back into this series because I said we we've we've really been enjoying these these. Over the past couple of years, covering these. Oh, so much fun! Now, Rob, where can people see a couple of pages from this? Uh, go to the website fireandwaterpodcast.com, and in the gallery post, you will see some pages from both Dingbats of Danger Street and Return of the New Gods. You just like saying that name, don't you? I like saying things in dramatic fashion. I'm trying to make bring more drama to the network. I, I never noticed. Never noticed. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> well, folks, go out to our website. And Rob, what's that website? I already said fireandwaterpodcast.com. I just like making you do stuff. Dance, monkey, dance. Anyway, go out to our website. Leave your comments. Let us know what you thought of these comics. Let us know what you think of the other first issue specials. By the way, I'm checking right now. This is me vamping. I was checking the DC Universe app. The um, the, the, the one the, on the DC Universe app right now at the time of this recording, the first issue specials you can read are Atlas, Green Team, Metamorpho, Lady Cop, and Manhunter. So those are the first issues. Oh, Manhunter. We haven't gotten to that one yet yep. either. Okay. Those are the DC Universe uh, ones that are out there right now, so go check those out. Anyway, so folks, uh, until we record the next one, whenever that might be, uh, again, leave your comments, and uh, I think that's going to do it. Rob. Oh, social media. Rob, I- I'm sure you've probably set up four Twitter accounts for First Issue Special by now, right? <laughs> I should do that. I really should create a, a First Issue. I-, I doubt that handle is taken. Uh, look, look on Twitter for Dingbats, folks. Yeah, you'll find- <laughs> well, you'll find a lot of Dingbats on Twitter. That's for Dan. I'm sure, but uh, no, you can just go to our main uh, feed, which is FW Podcast over on Twitter, and we'll be talking about this book and all the other first issue specials. Uh, like I said, there's the, the link in the show notes to all our previous episodes, and go back and listen to them. They are a lot of fun. We've, we've had a lot of fun with this series. Yep. And again, check out an upcoming issue uh, or episode of Digest Cast, where we'll talk about the Dr. Fate one. So, mm. All right, folks. Until next time. Well, I, I don't really have a tagline. Thanks for listening, and uh, thanks until next time. First, it I don't know. <laughs> you end you end the damn thing. I, I will. The network's slogan is "Fan the flame and ride the wave," so we can stick with that. All right, there you go. You heard Rob say it, folks. Good night. Bye. How many characters have you created? It would probably it would probably come to an army division. <laughs>